the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. Welcome to a live preaching message from Lighthouse Chapel International, Manhattan, New York. Lighthouse Chapel International Manhattan is the Apache branch of the Lighthouse Chapel International Churches in the United States of America, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively for present-day living. Our aim is to provide a solid foundation of Bible-based instruction to our church members to equip them to preach and teach the Gospel wherever they might be. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Amen, 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 amen. Well, what a blessing it is to be here tonight and to see all of you beautiful people. It's always a joy to see um, all of you, actually, especially those of you who have been around for a very long time. Man, when are you going to leave the church? <laughs> You ain't going nowhere. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's such a blessing. It is very refreshing, amen. And I thank God for all of your lives. God has blessed us with such a great family. And it's important to get together like this from time to time. What do you think? Yeah, it's time to... From time to time, the family must come together and encourage one another and see what one another is doing and how one another is faring, you see, so that we can go back encouraged, we can go back strengthened. I mean, that dance I saw here has already encouraged me greatly. <laughs> you know, inspired, the dance brought inspiration even Reverend Osei is trying to get new dancing, <laughs> new dancing grace, but I think you need to pray for him, because <laughs> it will take a while. <laughs> As for Reverend Nat, he won't even try. <laughs> wow. But those two brothers, where are they from? Bronx, Bronx Church. I want you to pray about moving to California. <laughs> Just pray about it. Just pray about it. Just pray about it. <laughs> See, your pastor has started speaking in tongues. <laughs> Hallelujah. But when we come together like that as a family, then we can enjoy each other's gifts. Because we don't all have the best gifts and the greatest gifts in our churches, isn't it? But when we come together, then we can bring the best from every place and enjoy it because God has given us all these amazing people. Hallelujah. Let us share a word of prayer before you sit down. Father, we thank you for today and thank you for the blessing of such a great family. We're grateful, oh God, that you brought us into such a church. And thank you, Lord, for everything you have done for us 
and continue to do for us while we remain sons and daughters in the house. Tonight we ask, Lord, that you will visit us. We ask, Lord, that you will open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law. We pray, O oh God, that the scales will fall off our eyes, fall off our spiritual eyes, and fall off our souls, Lord. Let the word of God affect us. May we leave this place encouraged. May we leave this place strengthened. May we leave this place bound together with cords that cannot be broken to work on and press on and to forge ahead with the commission that Jesus name and everybody says amen <laughs> hallelujah thank you amen well what can I say again it's a real I thank God for the opportunity to share with you amen I believe God has been gracious are you expecting to be great this year? Are you working on becoming great? Are you working on moving from ordinary to great? Are you working on moving from good to great? Are you becoming great? I am working on becoming great. Hallelujah. Because I believe the prophetic word. The prophetic word that God has given us through our pastor, through our prophet. Amen. We are blessed in this church to have a great prophet who is a proven prophet. A prophet with a track record. Hallelujah. You know, before you follow a prophet, you have to check their track record. Do you understand? Display of power. You need to look behind them and check the track record. Prophecies. It must be marked by prophecies that have come to pass. Do you understand? Person should have said, one day we're going to be a thousand churches. And then you have a thousand churches. And the person says, one day we're going to have... I remember a long time ago, I heard him, I heard him um, talk about uh, Dr. 700 Pastors. You know, he said 700 pastors. And I said, wow, what? And then he repeated, not members. <laughs> he said 700, the pastors are 700. So the members must be many more, isn't it? Say, we're going to have a thousand pastors. <laughs> right? You know? So... I'm talking about someone who has that kind of a track record. Hallelujah. Amen. And when such a person speaks and speaks the word of God and speaks a word of prophecy, you must do yourself a favor and latch onto it. Amen. Amen. Do yourself a favor, believe the prophecy, take it personally. Take it seriously. You know, as the people were dancing, one thing was occurring to me. I said, hey, dancing two people can take it seriously like that. <laughs> yeah? Because the guy who was here, he had a, a certain look on his face when he... 
No, no laughing. It wasn't a, it wasn't a laughing matter. Hey, so I just said, hey, dancing to somebody can take a seat. It's not a joke at all. So the way someone can take dancing so seriously, I am saying that you must take prophecy even more seriously. Yeah. If someone comes to you and says to you, this is your year of greatness. No matter how disconnected you are from greatness, you must begin to gather yourself and, and start moving and start walking towards greatness. Start walking towards greatness. Yeah. There are some smart people in the Bible like Peter. To borrow his boat. And after that, Jesus said, let down your nets for a catch. Because the truth is that there is no one from whom God takes anything to use who doesn't get rewarded or blessed after that. Do you understand what I'm saying? If God would take anything that belongs to you and use it for his work, for his house, anything that belongs to you, God will reward you for releasing that thing. Even if that thing is a person. Yeah. So those of you who are married to pastors, those of you who are married to lady pastors, those of you who have sons and daughters who are interested in the ministry, release them. Release them to serve the Lord. Because God will pay you back with a tip. <laughs> he will pay you back and give you a tip on top of that. Are you understanding what I'm saying? But Jesus borrowed Peter's boat, and then after that, Peter, Jesus told Peter, let down your net for a catch. And then Peter said, Lord, we toiled all night. We toiled all night and caught nothing but at thy word. Because you are saying it. Because we are saying it. We're going to give it one more try. We're going to do it again. Because when you hear the word of prophecy, it's different from every effort you have made prior to the prophecy. Are you getting what I'm saying? You may have tried something a thousand times without a word of prophecy and without success. But if a word of prophecy comes to you, Asking you to try that same thing one more time. Do you understand? You must choose the prophecy over your experience. See, what people do is they often let their experience override the prophecy. Do you know, they choose their experience over the word of prophecy. So what they know and what they have experienced and the way things have turned out and the way things have become sour and, and how things have not worked seem to have a greater appeal to them than the Word of God that is asking them to do whatever it is it's asking them to do. 
Does it make sense? Yeah? So you find that many people often choose their experience, they choose their feelings, they choose their personal issues over the word of prophecy. But I want to say to you tonight, choose the word of prophecy. Choose the word of prophecy. If God sent a man of God to tell you this is your year of greatness, believe it. Believe it. I said believe it. Because the year is rolling on very fast. We're already in February, isn't it? Yes, in a few weeks it's going to be March. I think in a week or two actually, it's going to be March. When are you going to believe? <laughs> you better start believing now. <laughs> and begin to experience greatness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell somebody, this is your year of greatness. Tell the person, I can see greatness in your year. I see greatness in your future. I see greatness coming your way. Say, greatness is coming to you. Hallelujah. Give Jesus a clap offering. Hallelujah. Now, in talking about greatness, you know, and with all the preachings and teachings on greatness we have been hearing this year, there is one particular message on greatness that has really caught my attention and that has to do with the greatness of John the Baptist. Hallelujah. Now John the Baptist was someone um, who had a prophecy, you know, going before his birth. You know, the word of prophecy came and the prophecy said he was going to be great. See, John the Baptist was born to a couple that had struggled to have children, and they had even given up. But to their surprise, at the last minute, in their old age, God still came through, and God gave them a child. Hallelujah. I don't know if there are any people here tonight believing God for children, but God is going to come through for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said God is going to come through for you. God will come through for you. Do not give up. Don't give up. You don't gain anything from giving up. If you give up, you still have nothing. Do you see what I'm saying? But if you believe, you might have something. Are you getting it? So there's no need to give up. Don't give up. Just keep believing. Amen. So the angel of the Lord came to, you know, uh, this man called Zacharias. And Zacharias was um, a priest. He was working in the temple. You know, it is interesting how even though he had prayed to God for some things for so many years and that thing had not happened, he was still motivated enough to keep serving the Lord and working in the church. You know, many of us get discouraged, you know, when we pray to God or have been waiting on the Lord for something for 
a little while and it has not come or has not, you know, materialized, you know, and then we start to get discouraged. Some will leave the choir, they stop singing, some stop being an usher, some even stop coming to church altogether because they kind of feel it's a waste of time. They feel that God has disappointed them, then they feel that God has let them down. But you know, you must learn to take your relationship with God beyond what He does for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Beyond what He does for you. you know, these three guys in the Bible called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they told the king that our God is able to deliver us from your hand. Our God can do such things. Do you understand? Then they said to the king that we believe that if you try to put us in this fire, our God can deliver us. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we just want you to know that we still maintain that only he is God and no other image qualifies to be called God and therefore we will not bow down to any image. Hallelujah. You need to introduce an element like that into your Christian life. There must be an element of even if. Do you understand? That even if God does not do this, even if this does not happen, even if things do not change, even if that does happen, I want you to know that I am subscribed to you for life. I have signed you on in my life for the rest of it. And I'm not giving up just because I didn't see this, just because I didn't see that, just because I didn't see this. You know, there are some things your children have asked for which you didn't do for them, which you are likely never to do for them. Perhaps you will never even do it for them. But the fact still remains that you are their father, that you love them dearly, and that you want the best for them. Is it not true? Is it not true? It is true. Some of the dangerous things your children have asked for, <laughs> they will never get it. <laughs> you didn't give it to them when they asked for it. They cried, you didn't give it to them. You have not given it to them. You will never give it to them. But the fact still remains that you have their best interest at heart. Hallelujah. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So I want you to be encouraged tonight and to know that our God and our relationship with him does not depend on what he does or does not do for us. Can I have an amen? amen? The greatest thing of value God has already done for us, that is to give his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. That's something you can never do for yourself. That's something no one else can do for you. And he has done that for us already. Do you understand? So God doesn't owe us any other thing except to grant us access through Jesus Christ to himself. Hallelujah. And that he has already abundantly provided. And that is what we must hold on to. Hallelujah. So Zacharias was just working in the church one day. He was just burning the incense. 
and doing his priestly duties, then suddenly an angel of the Lord came to him, and the angel of the Lord said that you're going to be the father of a child, you know, and he was very surprised. But the angel spoke. Zacharias was very shocked, and he was wondering, how can these things be? And then the angel said, look, I'm Gabriel. <laughs> I stand in the presence of God. <laughs> I'm coming from God's office. Do you understand? His desk is over here. My desk is over here. I'm bringing you inside information. And I'm telling you that no matter how you feel, no matter how plausible it sounds or does not sound, I want you to know that God has taken a decision for you to become a father and a father you will become by the grace of God. Hallelujah. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Then he said to him that that boy, he shall be great. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 1 and verse 15, it says, he shall be great. Luke chapter 1 verse 15, the angel said, he shall be great. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. And shall neither drink wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Hallelujah. Right? What is in verse 16? Verse 16. And it says, And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Hallelujah. He says he shall be great. He shall be great. An ordinary person born to an ordinary couple who is not destined for greatness. You know, there are some people who are already great by virtue of who their parents are, isn't it? Do you know someone like that? Like who? Huh? The Trumps. That's a very controversial subject these days. <laughs> so let's have a service that's devoid of controversy. <laughs> right? Prince William. Who is Prince William? The baby? The, the, the father, right? Prince William is the son of Princess Diana. Right, okay. That's a very good example too. <laughs> right without controversy <laughs> amen so right there I mean if you're born into such a family you are already credited with greatness actually you arrive with greatness as a credit for you to come and rather spend it and turn it into uh, uh, um, what? What is the opposite of greatness? <laughs> is there a word like that? <laughs> he said basement. <laughs> when you're born into a family like that, you arrive with greatness waiting for you. 
Do you understand? But I know that a lot of us here tonight were not born into those type of situations. Isn't it? Yes. For many of us, it would take the grace of God to become anything worthy of recognition. Do you understand? But I want you to know that God is able to make an ordinary person like you great. Hallelujah. God is able to make an ordinary person like you great. So you will be great. Expect to be great. Hallelujah. He said to John the Baptist, he said, he shall be great. He will be great. He's an ordinary boy, but he shall be great. That is how I believe also that I am great. And I'm working on becoming great. Hallelujah. That greatness is in my destiny, even though I come from a very ordinary family. Hallelujah. And I believe that God has destined for each of us. If only you believe the word of prophecy. I tell you, if the things you are hearing as you listen to the podcast, listen to Bishop, the prophet as he speaks, if only you would genuinely believe the things you are hearing, I tell you that those prayers, those things will transform your life. They will transform your life and turn your life the right side up, facing and headed in the right direction. Hallelujah. Now, just quickly, you see how he mentions the things or the characteristics and the, things, the features of his life that will make him great, right? One of them is that he will be great because um, he shall neither drink wine nor strong drink. Hallelujah. Now, great people, people who are working towards greatness, always have things they abstain from. They just have some things they don't do. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, great people never have an anything goes kind of life. Do you get it? If anything goes, then anywhere it could also be your destination. If your life is driven by anything that comes your way, you would do anything, anytime, anywhere, then your destination is really any place and not necessarily greatness. Are you getting the picture? So great people always have principled lives. They always have things they do and things they do not do. Hallelujah. If you look in the Bible, you see the people who were great in the Bible always had things that they wouldn't do. A good example is the people I was telling you about, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said they will not bow down to the king. They said we will not bow down to a golden image. We don't do that. We've never done that. This is not what we know. We will not do it. We'll matter what the consequences are. We will not do this. That's why they are in the Bible. Actually, it is the only story about them in the Bible. So it must be the only reason why they are in the Bible. Are you getting what I'm saying? So great people have principled lives. Great people say, I don't drink. Great people say, I don't commit fornication. Great people say, I don't smoke. 
great people say, I don't follow women, I don't chase women, I'm not a womanizer. You see, it's great people have principles like that. Are you getting what I'm saying? Great people say, I don't watch pornography, that's it, I don't do such things. Great people say, I don't watch certain movies. Hallelujah. Certain things are not for great people. Have you seen this verse before in Proverbs chapter 31? Look at it, Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 1. It says, you know, it's a, it's a prophecy. It says, the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him, right? So his mother is teaching, to, teaching him, and the Bible says it's actually prophecy. Can you see that, right? And then verse 2. Verse 2 says... What, my son, what, the son of my womb, what, the son of my vows. Verse 3, it says, give not thy strength to women. Can you see that? Give not what? So womanizing is costly. Can you see that? Yeah. So one person who is running after multiple women... Do you get it? One man who is running after so many women. You see, it says, don't give your strength to women. That means something actually goes from you to the women. Do you understand? It's a loss for you. <laughs> yeah? Does it make sense what I'm sharing with you? The Bible says, do not give thy strength to women. And of course, the opposite will also be true. Do you understand? When you have one person who is just roaming from person to person to person to person, come on, it can't be free. It can't be free. It's costing you something. Do you know that the bill does not always come with the thing that is being enjoyed? like in a restaurant when you go to a restaurant anything you call for they are just bringing it as though it's free <laughs> even sometimes they come to your table and they ask do you want some more as though it, it's free you just say can we bring you some more some more can i give you a refill then can i and they just keep bringing the things you get it? And you are also relaxed and just enjoying them. Enjoying them. Until you give the signal that you are about to leave. That is when they bring you the final service. <laughs> this time is not a, a meal. <laughs> not knowing that as you were ordering, somebody was making a tally of it and they bring a, a bill. Are you getting it? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Most wages are not paid on the day they are earned. You go to work and work all day and come back home with nothing. As though you have not worked. But you have earned something. <laughs> you go back the next day, you do it again. And you come back home with nothing, but you have earned something. You go back the third day and the fourth day, and you keep doing it for two weeks. 
Then the last day of the two weeks, now you are coming back with something that takes into account everything you have done for the past two weeks. Are you getting it? Yeah. So it's not free. It is costly. That is why great people, great people, people who are working towards greatness have things they do not do. Can I have an amen? amen. Look at it. The verse, where's the verse we're reading? The Proverbs verse. It says, quickly please, Proverbs 31. I'm just showing you that verse. You know, he says, verse 3, verse 3, verse 3. He says, give not thy strength to women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. So think about it. Someone who was going to become a king. Do you see? Someone who was going to become great. And yet his greatness is destroyed. Do you get it? He says, don't give your ways to things that destroy great people, right? And those are the things that are being listed. Then look at the next verse, verse 4. He says, it is not for kings. If your aim is to be great, he says, it is not for kings to drink wine or princes strong drink. Can you see that? So kings and princes are not supposed to drink. Sometimes you see some people, they are having a year of greatness, but they have a bottle of alcohol hiding somewhere in their house, and they drink it small, small. <laughs> a tot at a time. And they say it's for appetite. If you need to take a tot or a shot for appetite, I want to suggest to you that you are sick. <laughs> or that you are not hungry. <laughs> because anybody who is seriously hungry does not need motivation to eat. So sometimes you are not hungry and you are just trying to eat. That is why you are begging for appetite. Amen. It says it is not for princes or kings to drink wine nor for princes strong drink. Look at the next verse, verse 5. It says, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. So it means that alcohol makes people sort of neglect important things. That is why great people stay away from it. Because it makes them take important things lightly. Do you get it? Makes them take important things lightly. And then he says, look, the word there is judgment. It means that your judgment is affected. It means you don't think correctly. <laughs> Does it make sense? Yes, you don't think correctly. That is the reason why there is such an offense as DUI. That you're not supposed to drive under the influence of anything that perverts your judgment. 
Do you understand? That you are a dangerous person, a vehicle in the hands of somebody whose judgment is perverted is a dangerous weapon. And it's the same thing, a life in the hands of someone whose thinking is not correct. Do you understand? Your life is being driven and led by someone whose thinking is not correct. It is a problem. So in verse 6, it says, give wine, verse 6, says, give strong drink to him that is ready to perish. Can you see that? Someone who doesn't mind, you see, like when, when, when you're doing some DIY work in your house, right? You want to paint your kitchen a new color. You have some clothes you don't wear to do that job, isn't it? But you go get some other clothes that you wear. Now, those clothes that you wear to do that kind of job are clothes you don't mind losing, isn't it? Yeah, so ready to perish kind of clothes. So you bring those clothes on and you wear them knowing that, you know, even if I wear this and something happens, it's not a big deal. I don't mind losing these ones. Yeah, and there are some people who feel that way about their lives. It says that if your life is that kind, if your life is a disposable kind, you feel like, you know, it's not so important to you. you don't, greatness is not anything that you're looking for. You're not expecting to be great. You're not planning to be great. You're not trying to be anyone important. You're not trying to do, be anyone significant. Then he says, it's all right. Just allow them to give drink, strong drink to such people. And he says, you know, and those that be of heavy hearts, give strong drink to such people. Then it says in verse 7, let him drink, let him drink and forget his poverty. <laughs> Do you get it? Yes. That there's poverty associated with a drinking habit. Are you getting it? It says let him drink and be comforted from his poverty. <laughs> so he's already poor. Great people, great people and people who are becoming great don't go down this path. Can I have an amen? Are you understanding what I'm saying? We must have principles. We must have principles. We must have principles we live by. Principles of the word of God that guide us. Everybody who is a serious Christian, who is working towards greatness, must have things they don't do. There are some things you must say, I don't do this. It's not because you don't have the opportunity. But you don't do it. Hallelujah. The Bible says Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel, is, uh, does this passage here, let me just mention it real quick since we are talking about it. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, but Daniel purposed his heart. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Hallelujah. He says this is his own purpose in his heart. He said, I will not defile myself with the portion of the king's meat. You get it? I do not want to defile myself. I will not do this. Not if I do it, I'll be caught. Do you see there's a difference? 
There's a difference between things you don't do because the opportunity is not there, or that if you do it, you are afraid of the consequence. But there's a third reason why you don't do something, which is that you have purposed within yourself that this is wrong and I'm not going to do it. Whether I'll be caught or not, whether there's a consequence or not, I have taken a decision that this is not one of the things I engage in where my life is concerned. Can you understand what I'm saying? And everybody must work towards that level. You must have things in your life you don't do, not because no one or someone will catch you or someone will find out, but you don't do it because it's not the right thing. And you know it, whether there's someone or around or not, it's still wrong and you are not going to do it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And Daniel had such principle. Joseph also had a principle like that. Joseph had, you know, what many people will consider a golden opportunity, you know, because he was working in somebody's house and the person invited him to go to bed with him, with her. You know, Genesis chapter 39 and verse 7, it says, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused. And she said, And he said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master watcheth not what is with me in the house. He has committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither has he kept back anything from me but thee. <laughs> he said, because thou art his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Not even against the master. What Joseph was saying is that the master may not catch me, but God is watching. It may never come up. The it may never come up. The master may never bring it up because perhaps he will not know. Do you understand? But what about God? What about the one who really matters? What about the one who really determines how things turn out with people? What about the eyes of the one with whom we have to do? Because most of the time we spend our lives trying to please people. But what about God who can actually decide whether you wake up tomorrow or not? What about God who decides whether you live, you even get home, get home from this service tonight or not? What about that person? And Joseph felt, you know, I don't do such things. It's no wonder that Joseph becomes a great person. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So if you're working towards greatness this year, I want you to know it will cost you something. You have to have some principles. You have to say, I don't do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not, if it is wrong, it is wrong. If it is wrong, it is wrong. It doesn't matter that it's an opportunity. Joseph could have said, well, well, I didn't ask for it. She brought herself. You know what I mean? Yeah, she brought herself. 
And um, then he will say, you know, the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. <laughs> How many understand what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. So great people have principles, amen, and they have restrictions and restraint, amen. Now, number two, he said he will be great. This is John the Baptist. He said he will be great because he will turn many people to the Lord their God. Hallelujah. Greatness is to turn many people to the Lord their God. Hallelujah. You know, we are talking about greatness you see, look at the verse, the top of the verse, verse 15. It says, he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. Because the truth is that greatness is not measured in the same way from person to person. Do you get it? That is why he's saying great, he will be great as far as God is concerned. So many Things that human beings do not consider great are actually great in the sight of God. And if there is a greatness you must pursue, it is the greatness that is in the sight of God, not greatness in the sight of man. Are you getting what I'm saying? You have to be careful who is cheering you on, who is calling you great, who is clapping for you. And who is celebrating you? If you have the wrong person calling you great, then they'll call you great and you'll be deceived into thinking you are great when you're actually being a fool. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? See, I will never forget this story. My dad told me a story when I was a kid. He said that, there were, I don't know if it was himself or somebody else, but... He was talking about someone who was backing up a vehicle, you know, and when the person just started reversing, somebody showed up on the side as if to help him, you know, back up. You know how sometimes you're reversing and this good Samaritan just starts to help you. So the good Samaritan stood by and started telling him to come and then just keep coming. And, and so he also just surrendered his life into the hands of this good Samaritan. And the good Samaritan just kept backing him up until he either hit something or he entered a ditch. Like the vehicle entered a ditch. And then the good Samaritan stood by and said, Oh! So then... The man furiously looked out and he saw that that good Samaritan was actually a madman. <laughs> was actually a madman. <laughs> you have to be careful who is actually cheering you on as you are continuing to live and the person is saying, come, come, come on, come on, come on, just keep coming, keep coming. You will be surprised where you'll be backed up to. 
some of us have been backed up into very tight corners because the wrong person was cheering us on. Yeah. You should be careful who is encouraging you to walk out of your marriage. You should be careful who is telling you to leave her or leave him. You know, a long time ago, I saw a talk show on TV and they had brought a couple that was quarreling and then they brought this person who was supposed to be a specialist, um, PhD psychologist, somebody like that. And the person, you know, and then as the couple, they were trying to resolve the issue on TV, you know, then the psychologist gets up and she says, do you know why? Do you know why God gave you two legs? Do you know why God gave you two legs? It's so you can walk out on him. So you can walk out on him. And then she started walking like that on television, encouraging the, person, the lady to walk out on him. Yeah. After you have walked out on him and she's gone to her house and is in her comfortable bed with her husband with his biceps and triceps and, and the person is, she's in comfort over there. You are going to be in your house in loneliness. Yeah. Alone at night. When you're all by yourself at night. When it's raining and you have a flat tire and you wish you could call someone. Because you call AAA and AAA says they'll get to you in four hours. Have you seen that before? They tell you right now, right now we're backed up. And the wait time is about four hours. Then you start to wish there was somebody you could call. You know, somebody you could call who would come and switch over with you. That he would come and stay in the rain, in the dark, while you go home and relax to a cup of hot chocolate. <laughs> but you used to have someone like that, except that the wrong person cheered you on as you were walking out on him. <laughs> Does it make sense what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. So the greatness we are talking about is greatness in the sight of God. Not greatness in the sight of a madman. Not greatness in the sight of unbelievers. Or greatness in the sight of your family members. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about greatness, greatness according to God. Because when God says you are great, you are great. <laughs> Hallelujah. When God says you are great, you are great. But when God says you are not great, then it doesn't matter who thinks you are great. Hallelujah. Because when the creator doesn't think you are great, then you are not great. Can I have an amen? amen? So, greatness in the sight of God, he says, what that person will do is he will turn many people to the Lord their God. Hallelujah. Turning people to God makes you a great person. Helping people find God makes you a great person. Helping people to serve God makes you a great person. Teaching people, you know, the ways of the Lord makes you a great person.
you know, Jesus actually said that anyone who does these things, he said, anyone who breaks these words and then teaches others to do so shall be called the least in the kingdom of God. Well, let me not just go to it. Hallelujah. Yeah. But to be great in the kingdom of God, you have to teach others to find God. I admire people who bring people to church. People who pick up others and help them to come to church. People who go out of their way just to help others serve God. I mean, you really don't owe it to anyone. The church doesn't pay anyone for bringing people to church. And yet you have an interest in people and have an interest in their souls that you want to see them serving God. And because of that, you go out of your... Yes, no matter what anyone else thinks of you, in the eyes of God, you are a great person. And God will reward you with the rewards of greatness. Are you understanding what I'm saying? He says, he shall turn many people to the Lord their God. The Bible says, whoever wins souls is wise. The book of Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30. He says, the fruit of the tree of what? A tree of life. And he that winneth souls is what? Is wise. He that winneth souls is wise. Hallelujah. So God is telling us today that if we will go out of our way and win souls, do you understand? That is why starting whether it becomes a big church or it remains a small church, is great in the eyes of God. Anybody who goes out of his way to create an opportunity. Anybody who goes out of his way to start something small somewhere, you know, that human beings may even despise and laugh at. Do you understand? Anybody who goes out of his way to provide a place of worship so that God's people can come and worship. Anybody who takes it upon himself to read the scriptures, that I'm going to read the Bible to try to understand it. That's what a pastor is. A pastor is not any special person other than someone who has decided that, look, I'm going to try and feed myself and out of what I have, I'm going to share with others and help other people to come to know the Lord. These are the people God calls great. That is why in our church we emphasize and teach people to become shepherds. Yeah. To encourage everybody to become a shepherd. And we are criticized for that. But remember, a madman. <laughs> Always remember the madman. And don't follow the directions of a madman. Always look out of the window. So recently, I actually went to some place, you know, and I was, I mean, I was in a hurry. I was almost missing, you know, the, the, the event. So I drove very fast. I arrived in the place. As soon as I got there, somebody was waiting. 
And I don't know why he was waiting, but as soon as I got there, he was just already showing me where to park. So as I was reversing, then I remembered the story. <laughs> so I looked out and looked, you know, because sometimes you can tell from the way they are dressed. You can see some, just keep coming, just, yeah, yeah, just keep coming. And he was just rolling his hands like that. I, I just remembered the story. And I said, let me just look out to see it. So I brought the window down and I checked him out. You know, so, okay, he looks, he looks well. <laughs> no, seriously. Many of us, even our confidence in the church that we are in is influenced by people who are driven by demons and evil spirits. Somebody was telling me the other day because I was preaching a message, you know, and I was saying something similar to this. And then after church and told me, she said, you were talking to me the whole time. I said, really? Then she mentioned the name of somehow that person was upset and so on. The person left the church and um, the person gave her a website. This person they were talking about is somebody who came to the church interested in one of the brothers. And, and you know, because we, we have this really, there's a, a real nice fancy brother very eligible kind of bachelor in the church, right? And this person came into the church with hopes of, of, of being... Uh, 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 <laughs> the brother used to pick her up and so on and so forth. Because, no, because great people help other people. Do you understand? Yeah. But the fact that I'm giving you rights should not mean that I'm on offer. Not the driver. <laughs> That's what, if I was, if I, if the driver was the one on offer, he'll come and carry you on his back. <laughs> so you sit in the car, not on the driver. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? So this person, when she was disappointed, the brother turned to be looking elsewhere. Do you understand? Then she got upset because of that coming to church was not fun anymore. So in her bitterness and anger, she left the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? I wish she's watching this message so I can speak to her. Yeah. But she's hurt and poisoned by her own feelings and her own disappointment. Then she approaches somebody else, also leave the church, but she does not tell that person why she left the church. Like we are a cult and some kind of story like that, and then she gives the person a URL and goes to some website, says go to this place and go read such something, something, and I don't the internet is credible. I mean, why, why is it that when we read something on the internet, we automatically credibility to it that anything that is on the internet must be the right thing? Have you not heard about fake news? I told you we are not having a control. No, seriously. Make up a story. You get it? Create a name 
and put that name in and around and Google that name and see if that name doesn't come up. Me, you have known my manner of life, you have known my passion, you've known the things that have affected. Why do you have to listen? Listen, listen to me. We go to the internet to find things about stuff when we don't have access to the thing. If you want to, you don't leave Lighthouse Chapel to go through the internet to find out about Lighthouse Chapel. Yeah. Let's talk about this matter properly. What I'm saying is that when you don't know something, is to ask Google. Do you understand? But when you are sitting inside the thing and being preached to by the church, you don't go to the internet to find out about. Yeah. If you are in the church, you didn't find it. You're in the church. How, how come the person who is on the internet, who has not been to the church before, how did they get, come two times a week for 14 years, have not found that thing? What are you talking about? If, if Lighthouse Chapel is a cult, you get it? Tonight is a great opportunity. Tonight, right here. You are here. You are so wait, when we start chanting, then you will know it's a cult. <laughs> when we start making the human sacrifice, then you know it's a cult. And hear the word of God. And sometimes talk to the pastors and then waste the pastor's time to Google. Google, Google is not God. Just because it starts with a G does not make it. It's not God. And that you believe it. Even when it defies common sense. Yes, you're going to kill yourself. Some people go to the internet and somebody on there and they just start following that diet plan. Do you get it? They just follow. You don't even know who put it there. You don't know who put it there. Some idiot is just backing you up into a corner. And the person is just saying, come, come, come. You are about to die following these things. Somebody is telling you, you need to eat a lot of protein. So now you are frying six eggs a day. Have you ever asked yourself, why do chickens lay only one egg a day? If you owned, if you owned a chicken that was supposed to feed you. Yeah. So where did you get the other five from? <laughs> Google. <laughs> Somebody sent me a little video clip the other day where some lady was supposed to be making peanut butter soup. And she was making, you know, Africans have this peanut butter soup. 
and she was supposed to be making this peanut butter soup and she said she went you see instead of learning from mama she went to google <laughs> see you are at home and you won't learn the things at home you get it you are home inside the house you won't learn when mama is in the kitchen you are watching soap operas And you are scanning, scanning through matchmaker.com and just looking through and just looking and just seeing types of men and types of people and so on. And that's what you're looking at. When mama is making peanut butter soup, you are not looking and there with her to learn how to do it. Then finally your day comes to make peanut butter soup. Then you start to go to Google. See, this Google, yeah. Soon you will not have a marriage. Yeah. You, you, you will remain Google. Yeah. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? know something about Bishop Dag? Don't go to the internet to find out about Bishop Dag. You have Bishop Dag's podcast. His podcasts are free. His views or does not believe it's in the messages. So why do you go to YouTube to some strangers something and start to subscribe to that and you, whom you have been for so many years, you know, you just read about him on the internet and you believe that. And you do not believe the things you are seeing and the things you are hearing. Tap somebody and say, you made a mistake. I mean, yeah. Amen. I don't even know how we got into this. Let me, let me go back upstairs so that I can... When Jesus was preaching, you had all sorts of people who said all sorts of things about him. And the stories, they even paid people to make up stories. Yeah. And these days I've come to see that people can make up stories. I mean, people can lie. People can say things that never happened. I mean, can you believe that someone can actually say that he, he was in the military and he fought in such a war and he never was? <laughs> can you believe that? But that's the kind of world in which we, we live. So Paul said, Timothy, don't... He said, the things you have learned about me, follow and continue in those things. Can I... About to finish, you know... So, but people who righteousness are great. Hallelujah. People who help people is wise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then John the Baptist's greatness is that he said, he shall go of Elias. 
to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the people prepared for the Lord. Hallelujah. So the third element of greatness in John the Baptist is the ability to follow and operate in the spirit and amen. The ability to follow and operate in the spirit and power of your father. He says is is another way of is another form of the name Elijah. Do you understand? And the anointing of Elijah. Hallelujah. You know, you can follow someone closely enough until you begin to walk that is upon that person's life. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, we as members of this chapel, you know, we are blessed to be under a grace that seems to be doing fantastic things. Hallelujah. Church, that has a grace operating in it. Hallelujah. Our church is very blessed indeed. You know, and God has blessed us. If you look at the things that are we are actually in a very great blessing. That God has been gracious to us and has graciously made us very tall as a church. Are you getting what I'm granted to everybody? God has caused us to experience and taste things that has just favored us. Are you getting what I'm saying? And we need our sons and daughters of us of it and start walking in that grace. Are you getting what I'm saying? The great, a great person. The grace that has taken this church. Look, this church started in a classroom. This church we are in started in a classroom with about five or six people. In, yeah, right next to the ocean. <laughs> I mean, right next to the ocean. Yeah, now from here you're going to the ocean. That's where this church started from. Today we have a church that is in about 80 countries around the world. Yeah. About 80 countries. And we're continuing to send missionaries and, and sending, even that we're interested in sending someone somewhere. It is the grace of God. It is the grace of God that is actually working. Paul, that makes people into what they become. If you see anything that is significant, anything that is work, it is the grace of God that is making us what we have become with us. Now, the grace that has taken the church from an obscure Manhattan in Manhattan. <laughs> Do you get it? Yeah. Not fake Manhattan. <laughs> Do you have Manhattan? <laughs> yeah. That's right. To get to this place, which is healthy, just to make you, it makes you think properly about where you are coming. <laughs> yeah. Just here. You see, even our ability to have churches in villages, do you understand? That is even more remarkable. The fact that we can actually reach the poor, because Jesus, some people sent, John the Baptist sent some people to go and ask, about Jesus Christ, whether he was the Messiah. And Jesus said, go and tell him the signs. 
And he said, one of the signs that you have encountered a great anointing is that the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Yeah. Yeah. So when you see a church that is able to reach the poor, a church that is interested in the poor, a church that is not afraid to send someone who has gone to school, actually people who live in England. You had people who are living in England who have pursued their master's degree and they fly them all the way from England into Accra and into some village somewhere. A church that even has the courage to send somebody to such a place. You have encountered a great grace. Do you understand? It is the great grace of God that makes people do that. That makes us interested in people in many different lands, people in the Caribbean countries, people in so many different parts of the world, places that you don't think about going to. I mean, I can ask you for your top 100 list of vacation destinations, and many of them will not be some of the places where we have churches. Top 100 vacation destinations. I know Chad is not included. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the great grace of God. That is what has made us what we are. And so if you're walking in greatness, then I'm saying to you that you need to be able to walk and be a partaker of the grace that is upon the house. Amen. The grace that is upon our Father, that grace must be upon you also. See, when you look in Philippians, Philippians, Philippians and chapter one and verse seven the apostle paul said even as it is meet for me to think this of you all because i have you in my heart in in as much as both in my bones and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel ye are all partakers of my grace can you see that he said, you are all what? Partakers of what? My grace. That means there's nothing wrong with walking in the grace that is upon someone. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with walking in the grace that is upon someone. There's nothing wrong with preaching the messages that have been preached by someone. There's nothing wrong with walking in those things. See, when the devil identifies what your strength is, he starts to make it look ugly so you can walk away from your strength. This is a time-tested strategy. When we were little kids and we used to take our brothers and sisters' chicken from them, we used to make stories about their chicken. The guy is holding the chicken, the drumstick, you know, and then you tell him there are worms on it. Give it to me, give it to me. You shouldn't be holding this. Give it to me. Nasty. Ew. And then he surrenders his drumstick to you. And then you turn around and you start to eat. I'm tested strategy for making people walk away from what is working for them. Don't at it. Make it look ugly. 
and they will voluntarily surrender it. When they surrender it, you take it away from them. Holding something you don't want, he, because he's not going to let it go. You have to find some story to tell him. About what he's holding. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. And then they would voluntarily surrender the thing. The devil knows what is good for us. He knows that if you were to walk in the grace that has made this church what it is, that make a jumbo jet fly are the same principles that make those little jets also fly. Every plane flies on a very simple principle. They have engines that create a thrust, pushes. The thing is stronger than the weight of the plane. Do you get it? It's the same thing people do when they are walking on crutches. They, they push the crutches down and they are able to hop and then move. It gets them. If you push down hard enough, it will get you off. Same thing that makes planes fly. They just create a thrust that is very strong and it's stronger. That same principle, when you scale it down, scale it down to, the, to also be airborne. I'm telling you, that whatever has brought the church, the limelight, is the same principle that will bring you from your obscure corner into a place of significance and a place of greatness. Yeah. You can learn from the church. Whatever the church is doing, some of you who are trying to run your own business, why don't you, because the church is an organization. And your little business is also an organization. Why don't you find out what are the principles that this organization is operating and use those same principles to operate your little organization and watch your organization come from obscurity into prominence and significance. Hallelujah. And as they are backing you up into a back, a corner, why don't you rather develop that to long to see and understand the principles that have? Because I tell you, those same principles, if it can bring a church to this place, it will carry your life. Your life. If it will carry the church, it will carry you. Oh, yes. You can be a partaker of the grace. Are you getting what I'm saying? Not everybody gets to enjoy the grace. Actually, the Bible says the grace of God can be frustrated. It says the grace can be frustrated. Galatians, look at this verse right here. Galatians 2.21. Galatians 2.21. He says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Look at it. When do people get frustrated? Who has been frustrated before? Raise up your hand, let me see. So you think you understand the word frustrate? When do people get frustrated? When, when things don't do what? When things don't go the way you want. You want. That leads to what? Frustration. Real grace of God upon the church or upon your life cannot do what it's supposed to do. God has put on your life was put there for a purpose. 
Now, when your actions and even you to do, then it says the grace of God becomes frustrated. Just like when you cannot do what you want to do, you're frustrated. You want to sign your signature, they give you a pen, it doesn't write. You get into your car, you want to go to work, you want the car to do what you bought it to do, you start it, it won't start. You're frustrated. You beat the steering wheel because there is so much energy must go with. It's not moving. Same feeling the grace of God has. The church. That grace is supposed to do for the members of the church what it has done for the church as a whole. Life that does not allow that grace to express itself, then the grace becomes frustrated. We are living with a grace that is not happy. A grace that is what your life has become. A grace that is so frustrated because it's supposed to do. But as we become partakers of his grace, expect that whatever God has done, this is a church that has no debts. There is no reason why you must also be in debt. Settle properly on your life. One of the things it will do will be to eliminate debt in your life. It, it surely will. It will take you out of the minus into the plus. If you will embrace it, if you will believe it, the grace of God will take you out. So, can I have an amen? amen? Can I have an even louder amen? Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yes. The anointing and the grace of God that is upon your father. And if you do it, to be able to explain the Bible. So all of you have pastors who seem to be able to explain the Bible in the house. It's a grace in the house. And so when you are in the house and you are unwilling to teach, then that grace is frustrated. Because one of the things the grace upon you can do is to teach. Another thing the grace does is to start churches. See, we are used to starting churches, so you take it for granted. But if you go to another place where there is no such grace, where there is grace for something else, but not for starting churches, and you confusion that you bring into such a place, do you get it? Yeah. Church is something you join. Yeah. Are you out of your mind? And the person was asking, so you, are, you mean like church, church, not a family? You are going to do a Methodist church. What is wrong with you? One of these four, and you find yourself, and you fit in somewhere. But you are going to create... A church is something you join. You don't... Starting churches. Yes. We have the grace. God has blessed us with the ability to gather in small groups. Encouraged. But we'll come back next week. Our discouragement lasts only up to Sunday evening. By Monday morning, Tuesday, and you go home, 
saying, I will never come here again. <laughs> not everyone can do that. Pastor Lawrence, not everyone can do that. Something has to be on you. The choir is going to sing. <laughs> then when the choir gets up to come, you realize there's no one. Okay. So, you say, okay, today we'll have a solo. <laughs> it's a church. Same because it's skinny, it's not a human being. <laughs> So those of you who belong to small branches, smaller churches, focus on the grace, red God, that has even drawn you to such a thing. Because when you, it's not like the church was large and since you joined it's become small. When you joined it, it was very small, but it still had an attraction for you. That, that, that attraction is from God. It's, it's supernatural. Yes. Amen. Amen. So we will walk in the grace that is upon. Then finally, the fourth characteristic of John the Baptist, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready. Hallelujah. Now, it is significant that the last verse in the Old Testament, the very last verse, in the Old Testament, which is Malachi, and I think it's the very last verse. Look at it. Just, just put it up there. The very last verse of the Old Testament. The Bible says, And he shall turn the heart of the, fathers, of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth. That when, when the hearts of children are not turned towards the hearts of the fathers, then the conditions, you create a situation where any curse can fall into that place. He says, when the children's heart is not towards their father, and when the, then the conditions are ripe for a curse. There's a lot of struggling in this world. Do you get it? Look, one of the common accusations people have against all the difficulties and hardships in the world on the absence of God's love. Why does he make so much evil happen? Do you understand? Even recently, he's asking me, um, if God was God or something like that, the person said, why didn't he forgive the devil? Yeah. <laughs> He said, why didn't God forgive the devil? People have all sorts of questions. But I'm just saying this to say, are you listening to me? Yeah. It looks like there's very little attention paid to the calamities of this world. Do you get it? That some, because of curses that are brought upon themselves, at work. And when a curse is in place, there is very suppose that operates curses is that a curse must have a cause. You get it? So the Bible says a curse causeless shall not be cause. It cannot happen. Do you understand? 
But when a case has a cause happening or its occurrence, it's legitimate. Are you getting it? So it is allowed to happen. It is allowed to happen. And only God's mercy can take someone out of a situation like that. Now, many of us live our lives, you know, engaging curses and so on, and we are not even conscious of it. You see, but what the thing about a curse is that you are not excused from its effect just because you don't know. Just like the law of gravity doesn't forgive babies. Do, 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 you, do you understand? Realize that the law of gravity does not consider that she's a child. She's never been to school before, please. Do, do, do you see what I'm saying? Curses are like that in their operation. Now, one of the things that causes a curse in today's world, especially, is to their children. Do you get it? More than ever, more single parenting today than we have ever had at any time in history. An epidemic of displaced fathers. You know, people who give birth to children and actually walk away from them. The world is now more permissive than it used to be. You see, these days you are allowed to have children even without marrying somebody. Yeah, I mean, you are allowed to. The world is more permissive. You get it. There was a time when even when you got pregnant without being married, there was something to it, and you try to take steps to fix it real quick, and then you try to move on. But these days, people just shamelessly just do this. People, in fact, in certain countries, sometimes I've traveled to certain parts of the world, and people just introduce people as their baby father. This is my baby's dad. So even I remember one time I was having a convention somewhere, and then I was invited. I said, tomorrow, bring more people. I said, bring your mother, bring your father, bring your baby father. Bring. And I had to include them as categories of people that can be invited to the, to, to the meeting. Yeah, because it's a new designation. It's a new role that people occupy, that you don't have to marry somebody. You can have a child with a person, but you don't have to marry the person. Now, what that does is that it is now you, who has no regard for his father. Do you get it? Because his father was not there. And so he also does not see. I mean, you come to him and you bring this man to him and you say, this is your father, you need to honor him. I mean, what are you? I've never seen him. He's never done anything for me. I don't know him. I don't owe anything. And what do what? By the way, someone that my mother had something to do with some, some time ago, what has it got to do with me? It has created the ripe conditions for the world to experience many cases. Parts of children are turned away from their father, and the hearts of the father away from their children. And it creates room for tragedy. A lot of evil. Don't say, where was God when the train was raided? Or where was God when the plane fell out of the sky? Or where was it? Apart from God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you're a parent and things have not been well between you and not involving them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah.
children by not involving them. Amen. Try to help your children by not including them in your problems. If you have an issue with your child's father or your child's mother, let it be between your child's father and your child's mother and you. Do you get it? Because you're going to allow them to be cursed. You're going to bring them under a curse. You end up hating your father and that's going to affect you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, is how we relate with our spiritual father. Are you getting what I'm saying? When you have a church that is not interested in its father or its founder, the same, are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah? The same thing when we have a church, many churches, that's breakaway churches, is such that it disrupts your relationship with your father. You get it? So you will soon find out that good intentions are not enough. You need to have good intentions. That's good. You want to win so I'm saying. And so you see that that sort of destroys so many things and many people who could have been great ministers about ministry and how they entered it. Hallelujah. We as a church have a father and to rest upon us in a certain way. We must revere. We must love. We must cherish. We must appreciate. Tell me what I'm saying. We must appreciate this father that God has given us. That is why in... Yes. I'm expecting all of you, everyone who has come here tonight, I'm expecting you to come tonight. You, you see, because you cannot, you cannot afford to be someone who doesn't care about what your father is doing. Your father is doing. When your father says, come, let me talk to you. And you say, hey, you think you can just show up anytime and just come and say, come, let me talk to you. No. We are busy here. Over here we work. You have that kind of attitude. A certain blessing will not rest upon us. Are you understanding? As we walk in greatness this year, these are some of the keys that we must follow. Amen. These are some of the keys we must respect. Hallelujah. Number two is what? To turn many unto what? Righteousness. In the spirit and power of our Father. And number four is what? To turn our hearts towards. You understanding what I'm saying? If we can walk in these things, greatness will be our portion. Once that is upon this ministry will come upon us. The greatness that is upon this church will come upon you also. It will find you at your workplace. It will find you in your house. It will find your you go. It will be resting upon you. Because it is a greatness that belongs to all of us. Stand to your feet as we bring the service to a close. But I want you to lift up your hand and just begin to pray. Just pray concerning these four things I've mentioned. The four areas. Number one is... That you will live by principles. Number two, that God will use you to turn many unto God. Many unto righteousness. Number three is to walk in the spirit and power our Father. And number four, that your heart will be turned towards the Father. That your heart will be turned towards the Father. 
and pray this prayer. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Now, as we close tonight, as we close tonight, while every eye is closed, I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you're here tonight. Someone invited you to this service, but you know in your heart that you're not born again. You know in your heart that you are not saved, that if you were to die today, you're not sure if you will go to heaven or not. I want to help you. I want to help you draw closer to God. Or maybe you have given your life to Christ before, but you know in your heart that you've drifted far away and things are not like they used to be before between you and the Lord. God wants to fix that. God wants to draw you unto Himself. God wants to fix that relationship. And tonight is your night for that. So if you're here tonight and any of these applies to you, while every eye is closed, I just want you to raise up your right hand and I'm going to pray for you. Raise up your right hand. I see your hand. God bless you. Just keep it up. I just want to see your hand and pray for you. Tonight is a good night to fix your relationship with God. There is no need for you to go home the way you came. Just raise up your right hand. I just want to see it and I'm going to pray with you. You want to give your life to Jesus. You want to be closer to God starting from tonight. Right. Now, if your hand is up and you are serious about it, because I know many people raise up their hand and they are not serious about it. But if your hand is up and you are serious, why don't you meet me right here? Just walk up to me right here. Just come. Leave your seat and just come to me. Just come. You raise up your hand and you are serious about it. Just leave your seat and come right here. Just meet me right here. Let me pray with you. I want to pray with you right here. Just come and stand right here. Stand, stand, face me right here. Yes, yes. Just come, keep coming. We want to pray together. Just come, stand. Can you come to? If you move up here, please, so they can come in. Thank you, Lord. Just keep coming. Just keep coming. If you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to have a relationship with God tonight. Just come very quickly, and we want to pray together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, let's just say this prayer together. I want to lead you to say this prayer, and I want you to say this prayer after me, but say it for yourself and from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I believe with my heart that I am a sinner and that Christ died for my sins. So, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Let your blood wash me. And let your blood cleanse me. And make me a child of God. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Listen, if you said this prayer and you really mean it, 
I want you to know that you are a changed man and a changed We hope you've been blessed. For copies of this message or other such messages, please write to us at tapes and publications at yahoo.com.